0: We work so hard to get stronger, happier, more productive and successful. But don't forget the secret ingredient. Get grounded and play. Playgrounding, when it's time to get a life. Hello and welcome back to Playgrounding. I'm your host, Kara Stortfortier, fortier and I'm coming to you from the treehouse. No, we didn't move back into our old space. We have decided to bring the sign. It is officially affixed to our front door and the legacy of the Theory Labs Treehouse into our new space. I mean, what kid doesn't want to live in a treehouse? And my husband and I are in total agreement with children on that note. And we've decided to keep the spirit of the treehouse here in our new home at the Brewery Otters Complex in L.A. I don't have a studio set up yet, so bear with the background noise for now. I'm improvising, but hey, I've got running water in the kitchen now, so I got that going for me. Um, but more importantly, happy summer everyone, and to all you dogs and cats out there, the war is over. I don't know about your neighborhood, but this is what mine sounded like for about three hours straight on the 4th of July. You've got to love LA, where fireworks are illegal, but apparently way too much fun to resist, at least for the people in my neighborhood. Anyway, back to the serious business of play. Today I'm bringing you what has turned out to be kind of a part two to the intro to the Can Fitness Really Be Fun series that we started last time. And after this, I'll be bringing on other guests to talk about ways that they are making fitness fun. But I had a few more hairs I wanted to split before we really launched into that conversation. So I brought on my personal trainer slash therapist. I mean, well, she's not technically my therapist, but she may as well be. Um, her name is J.G. Kovacevic to talk with Brian Bristol and myself and all of us about the role of shame and how shame and other things block many of us adults from reaching and really enjoying physical play in our older bodies, and how we can begin to build a bridge back to enjoying life in our bodies at any age. Um, So I'm really excited to bring you this conversation. And don't worry, this is not the only topic we'll be talking about on Playgrounding this summer. Next week, I'm going to be bringing you an interview with Pratik Choguli from the American Conservative to discuss... Politics, yes, politics on the Playgrounding podcast. But don't worry, not going to be st- opening up any really scary cans of worms here unless you consider it scary that in addition to the dangers to our physical and mental health, um, the play deficit could be creating an authority. Authoritarian Society. He, he wrote an article called, Is American Childhood Creating an Authoritarian Society? It's an amazing question. It is an amazingly researched document um, that I just really encourage everyone to read. Um, so join me next week for that conversation, and I just can't wait to share it with you. But in the meantime, back to fitness, and we'll be jumping around to a lot of different topics. Um, play really is very multifaceted, and I, I've really Broken it out on my website so that if you are interested more in like career choice ideas or um, finding a work-play balance or, you know, fitness or mental health, I've broken it all out by category on the website. So out of the now 33 episodes, you can find ones that resonate mostly with you. But I really, the purpose of this podcast is to just bring up anything that where we can show play as important as it really is to the lives of every man, woman, child of any age. Anyway, now here's my conversation with Brian and JJ about shame and how we can clear the blocks to physical play, even for adults. This is amazing, I finally got the two of you together. Brian, As you know, I had Brian on um, just a little while ago just to sort of kick off this conversation. And JJ, of all things, and actually this wasn't (laughs) planned. (laughs) Because Brian and I were talking about doing this um, months ago. And I hadn't started. I didn't even have really a plan to start getting back into fitness myself. But it just so happened that I started, again, the very week that um, Brian and I released this episode. So of course I completely connected with this woman at a gym that, um, after I told you how much I hate gyms, this was my first attempt (laughs) back into a gym. Um, so really quickly, can you introduce yourself JJ for us real quick?
1: Yeah, my name is JJ Kovacevic and I am a personal trainer at everybody Los Angeles. Uh, I have actually had a background moving through, uh, an eating disorder and a very challenging relationship with body image and exercise and food. And I've had an entire lifetime in uh, physical modalities. I grew up as a dancer, I've been a lifelong performer, I'm a yoga teacher, etc. And when I got to the point that I was moving through the, the therapy in the beginning part of the recovery process uh, for my own challenges, I went, oh my God, how am I ever going to find a place to do the things that I do (laughs) to work in the field that I work in again, both where Mm -hmm. I feel comfortable and I feel like it's healthy and supportive for me, but also so that I'm not propagating what I believe are a lot of really at worst toxic and at best not useful attitudes and values in the the fitness and wellness industry. And then lo and behold, as as serendipity or synchronicity maybe (laughs) would have it, I, I stumbled across everybody.
0: Yeah, it's really unique space where even I feel comfortable after a few weeks, I don't dread going, which is pretty amazing. (laughs) Not to say that it's easy what's going on there. but um, Fair enough. (laughs) No, you're you're working me pretty good. Um, Brian, (laughs) I want to bring the two of you together. One of the things that um, I feel like I didn't do justice, Brian, speaking to you right now. I feel like I did not do justice to one aspect of our conversation. And I think it's also a piece that people who've listened to the podcast, I've heard some feedback that, that, you know what, it's just work to get some of this stuff done. And, and I kind of went into this big, big forest thing of the the, the big picture and all of the, all of the kind of ideas around it but I didn't go into the any of the nitty-gritty like the nuts and bolts of how to get a body like just to take mine for instance for me to go from where I'm at now to run out onto the playground and play and blah 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 blah. that you talked a lot and tried to anyway and I feel like I didn't let you about the training and the things that people would need to do to get there um some of the disciplines that you would like people to learn and I I kind of want to start off with JJ's reaction to the episode, and I would really love for you guys to talk about that. And I am not versed to talk in this, so I kind of want to facilitate <laughs> a conversation between you two. Does that make sense, Brian?
2: <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, it totally makes sense.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, let's go ahead and um, JJ. Can can you kind of like go back to kind of what we discussed that day when we were kind of discussing the podcast episode? Tell me. All the good, bad and ugly. What what were you responding to? What were you feeling when you first heard our conversation? Sure.
1: Uh, well, I guess the very first thing is that I was fairly stoked because uh, play in general, playfulness is a, a big value of mine in all aspects of, of life. <laughs> and I try to incorporate that as much as possible for myself and for others. And it's actually something that I, I think about. Maybe I haven't thought about it in terms of play using that language but in terms of sessions with my clients like how do I make it enjoyable how do how do I take something that for a lot of people at maybe best is something that is drudgery or a necessary evil in life and at worst maybe something that is extraordinarily uncomfortable be it physically emotionally etc and how do I make this how do I move the process towards being a more joyful and enjoyable one. It's something I spend a lot of time with. So I was very engaged as soon as you told me about the, the series you were doing on the podcast and the the episode you said you were going to send me, which you did. And I listened to you with Brian and I loved listening to it and I loved the concept. And then there were two reactions that I had um, where I felt really challenged by the conversation. And the first piece was that I felt like I was hearing the entire question of can fitness be fun can we incorporate play into this I heard it being framed I think as a rather black or white either or Mm -hmm. dichotomy that it's either we're either going to find a way for it to be playful it's going to be unbridled joy or (laughs) it's going to be this horrendous thing that I have to (laughs) do even though I hate it and I felt super challenged by that and I had some reactivity come up in myself and like almost even a bit of defensiveness around Mm -hmm. like oh wow, Like this is what I'm doing with my life and trying to do with it and this is how I'm trying to support other people. And I I almost, I think in retrospect, had this little bit of panic of like, oh my God, what if it's one or the other? And what if it, it can't <laughs> be that thing I want it to be? Um, and also the second challenge uh, that I encountered in listening to the conversation and I wish the way that I see the world or our society uh, in this regard wasn't true or didn't seem to be true to me, but I think because of the way our society works, the pace at which we work, we, you know, we go to our jobs, we maybe take care of our families, we have social lives, the, you know, then there's all the practical nuts and bolts of just taking care of day to day life, keeping things moving and functioning.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It feels like our world is increasingly fast paced and it's, that feels unfair. Fortunate to me in that I think it's put many of our bodies in places where we're physically deconditioned so even if we wanted to as an adult experience that unbridled play of like I'm gonna be physical by like going and without reservation <laughs> like jumping on the monkey bars and you know be outside and move my body and do it for its own sake yeah I unfortunately think that societally we're not set up Mm-mm. at the moment to be prepared for that and I think so many folks because of that are super deconditioned. So then how do we make this jump Mm -hmm. from this thing that is a challenge, this getting involved with fitness, taking good, consistent care of our bodies? How do we get past this place where maybe that feels like a physical and emotional challenge that perhaps seems insurmountable to Mm -hmm. a place where we get reconditioned, we're taking base care of ourselves so we can move towards that place where our bodies and our minds are ready and Mm -hmm. able and willing to go have that level of play that that you two were discussing.
0: Cool. And I kind of wanted to bring one thing up from our conversation before I kind of just let you guys, you know, talk about some more things. I, I loved, so we kind of talked about the place we start from and I never really put it all together that the very entry point at which a lot of us, and, and we talked a little bit about this on the, on the last podcast, but the very entry point by which we approach our bodies in this busy, hectic world where we just literally, we have to get in there and do it. We have a result that we want to see. We try to do the things we're supposed to do to get the result. Um, but before we even approach that... There's an element of shame that is kind of, that's where we all start, where a lot of people start. I won't say we all, um, I don't want to overgeneralize, but can you talk a little bit sort of about your perception of how the fitness industry kind of even just approaches us out there who want to see these results and kind of some of the changes you'd like to see there? For sure, uh, this was actually my favorite part of our conversation the other day, and the part I was most
1: excited to yeah. to hopefully speak about today. So, mm-hmm. uh, I personally believe that most of the fitness industry, uh, most of our, most of the things that are sold in our culture in general, I would go so far as to say, but especially the fitness industry, I believe that it only functions by making people feel like crud about yeah, themselves, exactly, and. I had this epiphany in our conversation the other day, discussing these very topics and the last episode of the podcast where I went, huh, I don't think that sometimes the reasons we ascribe to, um, getting involved in a a physical wellness routine. The reason we ascribe to that being so challenging to integrate into our lives. Mm -hmm. I think we put it sometimes on behavior change is really difficult or my schedule is really busy or this, that or the other I feel like there's a million uh, reasons that you could link to that. Mm -hmm. But I had this epiphany when we were discussing this and I thought, wow, it's really, I think for many folks, it's certainly true for me. It certainly seems true for a lot of the people I work with um, both as colleagues and as clients that there's a shame aspect. And that has for a long time seemed really deliberate to me (laughs) in the fitness and wellness industry for sure. But I think in our culture at large, there are very specific ideals that are sold to us about what is aesthetically appealing, what makes us attractive, what a fit body looks like, what a capable body looks like. Mm -hmm. And I think they're totally unrealistic. And I think that whole mechanism works by, making us feel like crap about ourselves. Like if somebody can sell you a dream of you're gonna feel good about yourself because right now you don't look like X and later maybe we can help you look like X then you (laughs) work over that cash. But Mm -hmm. I realized that, man, maybe that's really the crux for many if not most folks about why it's challenging to get it integrated. I don't think for most of us, things we feel ashamed about, we're really keen to like look at and spend mm-hmm. time on. You know for me, I would rather not engage with it. Yeah. And then I made this further connection when we were, we were discussing last week. I went, huh, I think for me, at least, that's been the same thing, whether as a child or as an adult, that has kept me from play. Mm-hmm. Like, I kept thinking about the analogy you and Brian had discussed about, man, kids like running out on the playground and just unbridled, going for it. Mm-hmm. I was like, huh. I've had that experience as a kid and as an adult, and I've definitely not been able to engage that. And I realized the times where I haven't been able to do that, it's functionally been about shame. I've mm-hmm. thought about myself as a kid. Like, Were there times where I like was made fun of or didn't feel like I was accepted by the other kids? Those mm-hmm. were the moments I didn't engage in play. And those are the same moments where I don't engage with things that I may know very well intellectually that are good for me. Yeah. But if I have shame around the motivation part of it, mm-hmm. like the foundational reason for doing it, I'm not gonna engage. And I got really excited about this connection. Like, <laughs> huh, what if we look at the shame mm-hmm. first? And then that's the thing that will hopefully allow us to do the basic self care and to get into the play aspect of things.
0: Absolutely. And and so one of the things that you know, if we even we have so Brian like this, this playground that we're talking about, there's that moment of you walk in the door. And even though there are all these cool things, maybe there's the tree to climb, maybe there's like different kinds of obstacle courses, things to do. I know, for me, I would not have engaged it out of the blue. I mean, obviously, I'm thinking about this a lot right now. But my first thought is going to be, I'll never be able to do any of those things you know, I, th- I might have the, d- the drive and the desire to go run and do a cartwheel, but I know very well that my 42 year old body is not quite capable of that yet. JJ's got her hands on me now, but so we'll see what happens <laughs> later. But Brian, I know you had, and we didn't get into this in this episode before. So before I we even take this conversation any further into other episodes, I really want you to be able to explain more about what you mean when you talk about basic movement principles and getting bodies ready to play in this environment and how you envision doing that and then maybe like sort of tossing back and forth with JJ on some of the ideas of making people feel comfortable enough to even try. Um
2: sure. Yeah, no. Um so JJ, thank you so much for just participating in this <clears throat> in this call. Um it's yes. great to hear from <laughs> from people that are just passionate about the things that you know you just described. Um I I have to confess I'm not like a personal trainer. It, and it's, um, so it's challenging for me to talk about this topic from the same kind of perspective that, that you are, because you have that, um, you do that as a profession and that's, uh, part of your skill set. Um, I think the, the disciplines that I've been involved with, um, I've been fortunate to have coaches, you know, like yourself that are, that just have that natural ability to, you know, take someone and, um, show them the ropes and, you know, give them the tools that uh, allow them to um, condition themselves so that they can play. Um, And that's what I'm hearing a little bit about, you know, just from the recent, you know, this conversation that you and Kara were just having, there's there's two things that came to mind. One is the whole shame concept. Um, And then two is just the conditioning so that people can actually do something, you know, be more active and have more movement. Mm-hmm. So to get back to, you know, what you were saying, Kara, as, as far as the disciplines, um, the ones that have come to mind and that I felt were the foundation for Rethink Play and Firefly are Move Nat, which is natural movement, mm-hmm. parkour, yoga, and then primal play was something that we learned at uh, or that I was introduced to at the uh, the Play Coalition. Um, so, you, I, and I go ahead.
0: Can you describe some of those a little bit like? Um, introduce us to what you mentioned it briefly, but what is MoveNat like? Why is that such an inspiration for you?
2: I guess it's an inspiration because the I t- I did take a a certification class, so I am technically a certified trainer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I've I've just found it challenging to to kind of take on the role of a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, however, it's it's all about natural movement. They teach you everything from um, squatting to crawling to climbing to running um it's so many different types of movement that you just take for granted i guess and they're all very um they're just all very fundamental but they break it down at a level at which just helps you be very proficient at doing these types of
0: things yeah i probably don't take any of those things for granted but anyway go ahead
2: <laughs> so, so so once you learn like these basic yeah. movements there's there's all these like progressions that you can do um to 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 advance and to have more fun Mm -hmm. but not everybody has to take it to you know the elite level
0: well what kind of things do they do that are fun just out of curiosity i don't know them um yet
2: yeah so like earlier today um i was doing some like some vaults over a pole and it's just like a it's just it's like a scissor kick type of thing um but i don't know i just get the greatest kick out of just trying to jump over this that's in my backyard
0: that's awesome And it's
2: just it's something <laughs> it's awesome. that I, it's like it's like jumping a fence or something like that right mm-hmm. so and it took a while to kind of work up to it but it's just fun and then s- something that um came to mind when you were talking about hey if I if I went into this space and I wanted to do a cartwheel or do something uh, I know that my 42-year-old body is not ready to do that mm-hmm. well I did just spend some time at a river and there was this log or a tree, I should say, that was um had fallen and it it bridged um like a little tiny island and the shore. And so I just bounced across the across the tree. Cool. And if you saw that inside a space that maybe was um I don't know, where it it was inviting in the sense that it, hey, I, I just want to walk across that that tree over this fictitious river or Maybe it's phone blocks or whatnot. I don't know. I I think your 42-year-old body could do that. You know,
0: you just actually – you brought something up that kind of JJ and I talked about. We talked about this that first day. I think it was my second day of training um, or second or third. But you were kind of talking about just kind of the joy in finding out what you can do. Yeah. Yeah, I mean – And the the shame was a big, huge inhibitor for me because I would be so afraid to try anything because all I felt was obstacles in my own body. And then you're like, but we're going to get there.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So she's teaching you (laughs) perfect, you know, like mindset of,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: hey, let's just take baby steps and let's learn some of these basic movements, build on them so that when you see – Another thing I guess I love about MoveNet and parkour, particularly, is it, it allows you to see the world completely differently.
0: Like, in what way? So, all
2: this, in, in a way that <laughs> it's, uh, you, you look at a wall at a, you know, in a downtown kind of arena completely differently because there's things like wall climbs. And now so that might be a more advanced type of thing, but you just start to look at natural features as your playground. So Mm. if you can learn, if you can, if you can learn new movements or old movements, if you will, through the, um, facilitation and training of a professional coach to get you that, that, to get you, give you that foundation that that we've kind of lost because a lot of us are working, you know, nine to five corporate, (laughs) you know, type of jobs. Mm -hmm. I'm one of those people, um, then you can, I don't know, just see things completely differently and just have fun all throughout the day. I don't carve out just 60 minutes to do a workout. I move all throughout the day just because i just, because I want to, I don't know how to explain it, but, um, and I think that people can gain something from that. They just need a different perspective maybe. And Mm -hmm. if there's a way to take away this, uh, this shame thing. I get it. Mm -hmm. I don't have it. The the only way I can relate to it is um, competition. Uh, I, I see like CrossFit is this thing where it's like, it started out as like functional fitness mm -hmm. and it sounded so amazing to me. And I heard like, Hey, this is even for your grandmother. And, but it just hasn't turned out to be that way. Um, it seems like it's turned into competition, and it's really for buff, elite you know, people. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's what I see.
1: This is the part of the podcast where JJ bites her tongue really hard uh. about
2: okay, such sorry. topics.
1: Sorry, oh, I... no, no, I'm in agreement with you, which is why I'm saying, like, I have to restrain myself to not speak negatively <laughs> about other modalities and approaches.
2: Because
1: no, I, yeah. I, I don't think that's a particular modality that actually plays out the way maybe it started or was Mm -hmm. intended and I think it actually does I feel like I've seen a number of folks get injured from that approach and I think they do tend to be the more like boot campier approach styles Mm -hmm. tend to be very intimidating at the least and that's, that's not, I think for a lot of people, an environment where they necessarily feel encouraged to explore Mm -mm. movement and see what their body's capable of at whatever level that they're, whatever level they're starting at.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, So, yeah, so what I, I guess the vision that I, that I have is giving people the, 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 the skill sets and conditioning for like this unstructured play that you know, I learned about more, um, at the, uh, at the play conference. So mm-hmm. every one of us has grown up and the, the common theme here is that kids love to play. I watch them effortlessly just go and explore and swim and run and bike and climb and jump and what have you mm-hmm. somewhere along the way that seems to have, um, become less and less unstructured it's more structured now you know mm-hmm. so there's there's a class for everything um or uh you know somewhere that you have to take them for every little uh you know moment mm-hmm. but um and then
0: it gets completely lost on us adults for the most part
2: yes yeah so i, I was trying to get to that point no
0: sorry.
2: <laughs> sorry. No, no thank you thank you for driving driving it home so um <laughs>
0: But yeah, and then it gets completely
2: lost as adults. And what JJ's doing, you know, by breaking down the barrier and saying here's a place for everybody, that's a that's a wonderful start for, mm-hmm. for me. I mean, it's um, I don't know, that, that's a that's yeah. a good place to, to be, I think.
0: And I kinda wanna jump in here too, because what I what I wanna go now, I, I'm hearing like, okay, here's kind of a reaction to our original conversation. The 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 objective of what Brian and I kind of wanted to start out doing was talking about he wants to open a business, like a space for people to experience this kind of free play. Um, And while we really drove home the the need for free play and that aspect in the last episode, I think what I also want to do now is really drive home the need for us to find a way, especially for the adults, because whatever is built that we can share with, between children and adults alike, the children will know what to do. The problem will be getting the adults to feel that they can join in um, and kind of explore what that problem is. Um, and so what I kind of want to talk about, it seems like what's really needed is a brand new approach to gym in general, I think is what Brian would like to do And so I would like to sort of hear a little bit more. Maybe, JJ, you could talk a little more about um, what it's like to even try to do something like this out here. I mean, I mean, it all sounds fun, like fine and good, you know. Well, yeah, the way it's done for the most part is broken. What needs to change? Like practically what can happen within the walls of a quote unquote gym or play space or whatever you're calling it that can help us move from the problem of, fitness that we have now to the future that I know Brian is envisioning can we talk about just that
1: that's a that's a one big undertaking of a question for sure uh and at the at the risk of sounding overly fixated or really looking at this extensively through the the lens of JJ's life experience Mm -hmm. a big piece for me and what seems at this point to be true in my relationships with most of my clients, it really comes back to that shame thing. And people may not be thinking of it as shame. They may not even, I don't know, be aware of it in their own minds or framing it that way. Mm -hmm. But the first step to me feels like it has to be letting people know that like, you're cool how you are. Mm -hmm. Like us doing some work together is not a matter of fixing you. Mm -hmm. It's not, fixing a deficit, it's not repairing something that's wrong with you, (sighs) be that your health, be that uh, body image, you know, aesthetics, whatever angle you want to come at it from. I don't want to walk into a room where by nature of my leading somebody through a process, through a set of exercises, Mm -hmm. what have you, through a conversation even, I don't want to engage in that where the foundational premise is that something's wrong here and it doesn't mean that there aren't things to be improved upon be that health or one's self-confidence or whatever Mm -hmm. but starting with the premise you're cool how you are Mm -hmm. let's see what we can do from here let's see how you can feel better Mm -hmm. and start with that and that feels like as much of the process to me as the physical aspect coming in and like looking at form and going through the physical exercises, it feels like it has to start with a mental shift, mm-hmm. uh, which is what I think is the maybe one of the biggest uh, deterrents for a lot of folks. Like, mm-hmm. this feels like crap. It feels like there's something that's wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Who wants to engage with that? And I, I, my hope is that from there, it's a pretty natural unfolding. Like, oh, if this is something that feels good, if this is something for my care that's like a boon to me not Mm -hmm. fixing a deficit yeah that hopefully those things will unfold or progress naturally hopefully having the realization if it is there to be realized that like oh my approaches to this or the way other people have led me to approach things like health and wellness before maybe they've been coming from a a net negative foundation maybe just recognizing that that's been part of the narrative and you know it's like you can't work to shift something until you can see it, right? So maybe just by realizing it, that's enough to start, at least for folks at the individual level to set that process into motion. And my hope is from there, once we take some of those mental and emotional barriers out of the way, some of those philosophical barriers, if (sighs) you will, the self-care aspect of it, and what is frankly, I get a little like soft and hippie about this, but like it's really a self-love thing. Hopefully that then paves the way Not just to being able to have the physical skills Mm -hmm. to play, for a body to be able to engage in that and to maintain and be injury-free and to sustain the energy that that takes and the strength it may take, the flexibility that it may take, but also that we hopefully at that point feel less encumbered by judgments from ourselves and judgments from others in that Mm -hmm. process that would restrain us at a a mental or emotional level.
0: Wow.
2: So the one thing that comes to mind—I don't really know exactly where this fits, but it, it just came to mind, so I'll just spit it out. But it's um, there's a lot of churches in, in our area, and one of the main themes um, for uh, bringing people in, if you will, or just kind of opening up the door, is "come as you are." Mm-hmm. So this idea of—and I feel like it's—it's it's to to allow people to. Not have some uh, preconceived, you know, notion of how they should be before they actually come to church. Oof, yeah. And so, when I hear you talking, JJ, about the shame and so on and so forth, and just you know, I guess the way that um, maybe some um, gyms are trying to attract people, like, hey, there's something wrong with you. Come here, and I'll fix it. Well, maybe, you know, the, the approach that you guys are taking that come as you are is, is, is a similar kind of concept. And mm-hmm. For sure. I don't know. I, and I, I just think that um, there's something to be said about that. So oh, yeah,
0: and absolutely. The,
2: the other thing, I guess, is and I don't know exactly where this fits, but I personally feel like the rest of my life is like competition. And that's my um,
0: mm. that's my
2: that's my own personal barrier. I mean, I've got a family to feed. I've got work where I need to perform. I've got, I don't know, just all these things that are pulling at me and tugging at me. My outlet, I want to be um, – I, I don't want it to be competition, but at the same time, I want it to be uh, fulfilling and fruitful. Fruitful. So – yeah I don't know I use I use movements for like not only physical benefit you know like you were talking about Kara like throughout the day all of a sudden you just realized oh wow look at this you know (laughs) (laughs) I I feel better because of you know some of these things that um that I've been doing with JJ and so I feel the same way when I do like a yoga class or something like that Mm -hmm. so
0: well I know like you guys both just led kind of me to think of I had this image in my mind of how many gyms I've I've been to in the past and I remember really vividly the walls of one of them probably the one that I worked out in the most back in the day when I was a little miss gym I remember these giant black and white photos of body parts so one would be like a yeah. big curled bicep with a big weight in it of a man another would be like only like the the abdomen of a woman doing a crunch. And I would see these beautiful bodies photographed in these specific ways to show like, this is how your abs could look. This is how your arms could look. And I, at that time, I was working so hard to have those bodies, but then I would want my skinny legs to fit into a certain thing so I wouldn't do squats. Or, you know, it's like I had a very specific idea in mind of the body that I was supposed to have. And I felt and I just went back and went through a whole bunch of pictures recently because I'm trying to scan them all. And I'm looking at all these photos going, oh my gosh, I was actually, I was perfectly fine all those years, all those decades. And I felt fat the entire time. And that's a whole other issue. I know that's that's some yeah. stuff that I've had to deal with. And JJ and I have talked about this. That's another great thing of having a trainer that's had some background in that stuff as well. But um, I, I like you were saying, at work, you're constantly working to, to strive. I'm working to close deficits. Um, I sometimes like I, I sometimes can't listen to my podcast um, podcasts like blogs and people who are trying to help you have better podcasts because if I'm super busy and I don't have time to do those things, <laughs> I feel bad <laughs> if I listen to them. I'm like I should be doing those things to have a better podcast. You know, so it's like it's such a huge part of our lives to see our goal and it's a good thing to be driven forward you know to have those things but I feel like what he was saying that the basic drive of why you move of why we're doing this is it to look like those big photographs in the gym of somebody's abs you know it, it seems like that's the atmosphere that most gyms want to create for you because it goes along with all of the rest of our lives you know be a better X by doing y and z you know get So, it's it's an atmosphere that is created to make that happen. And you guys both are in situations where you're trying to create different kinds of atmospheres. Um,
2: I I feel like the goal is to be able to take an individual mm
0: -hmm. and allow
2: them to be the best version of themselves. Mm -hmm. So, it's not about looking like that person or this person or being able to do what that person can do or that this person can do. Mm -hmm. It's about you and your abilities. Your strengths, your weaknesses, bring to the table what you have and being able to work with that and become the best version of you as you possibly can be.
0: Well, and I feel uh, like a I lot re- of people Amen. say that, but then they do it and then they sell you something. This is and this is the way you do it. you
1: know <laughs> You know what comes to mind for me is actually, Brian, something that you said earlier about like being in your backyard and having you're doing this this vaulting. Exercise and like, can I jump over this pole? And having a lot of fun seeing so, you know, if you could jump over this pole. And mm-hmm. it hearing you say that had me flash to Kara something I think I actually said to you in one of our first sessions. Uh, and I don't know that I articulated it super clearly at that time, but I think I said something along the lines of, oh, I come in like when I work out or I step into a movement practice, I have this kind of like lovingly antagonistic relationship with myself. And it's not, I realized that using the phrase antagonistic is what didn't quite catch the essence of it Mm -hmm. because it's what I was trying to get at was that I'm actually playful with myself. There's a sense of, can I do this? Like, Mm -hmm. and I think that
0: ties into that. Like,
1: can I just jump over this pole? Like, can I do it? Am I capable? And it's not even about, I think sometimes I hear people say like, oh, I'm not in this class or at the gym or what have you to be in competition with other people, but I'm in competition with myself. Mm-hmm. And for me, like I know that hasn't been a, a way of relating to myself and my own wellness. That's been personally particularly fruitful to be in competition with myself. But I think there's this subtle lens shift, which is maybe what Brian is also pointing out with the the natural movement approaches mm-hmm. and his way of moving throughout the day and incorporating that into his life where it's like, can I do this? Is it so, is it possible? Could I have fun doing
2: it? <laughs> so so real quick, just uh, this just popped in my mind. But my son and I were getting ready to just kind of go, go to a movie the other the other night, and I've got like a little garage gym, and so I have a like a, a gym rope that you typically would find you know in a, in a PE facility or whatever. And I just said, okay, before we go before we go to the movie, before we get in the car, each one of us has to climb the rope. And, and so he, you know, of course he just lunged up there and he's 11 years old and he just climbed up without using his feet or anything like that. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. You know? so, <laughs> so, and then, but then I got right behind him and it's like, and I, and I did it and it was all just for the fun of it. Who cares?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
2: I don't know how to explain it other than it was just for the fun of it, but I wouldn't be able to do that had I not build some sort of foundation right so
0: I, i feel like that is the kind of thing it's either we're out there trying to prove something or we're hiding or we're kind of in the gym trying to like make the the number of weights we can do go higher competing with ourselves but there's something there's a sweet spot in the middle somewhere and i know it's super hard to define but i think you guys are both seriously onto something. And I know time is getting late and I want to make sure we're not like um, going too long because we don't have all the answers yet, obviously. But that's why Brian is asking this question. And I know, and I kind of want to just also, JJ, really quickly too, ask you because in a lot of ways, what you did coming to this gym and leaving that big box world behind wasn't necessarily an easy thing for you because... there's (laughs) There's, no. <laughs> a, there's some there's some certainty in that in the business model of what you do in the big box gym just like I'm sure there would be more certainty in a business model Brian of you just opening a gym in your area and doing oh. something cool like that but that's not what you want to do and JJ that wasn't what you wanted either um so just for the sake of kind of Brian wanting to do something new like this can you kind of share your experience JJ of 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 having the con- having the conviction of knowing that's not the way you want to move forward with your career and sort of some of the, the, well, I wouldn't say dangers, but just some of the uncertainty around that.
1: Hmm. Wow. Uh, That's another big question. And I, (laughs) I think the, the biggest piece in trusting that shift for me that I'm not going to do the thing that is the model I've certainly been sold all my life and the model that I was very literally educated to be part of mm-hmm. in my uh, you know certification process as a trainer and in the big box gyms that I started off at, like what management and leadership would teach us. Um, stepping away from that really, for me, came from a deep trust that I learned from a whole other set of practices that I do, uh, like a relational meditation practice, et cetera, and I realized this is where it might get us off track. Oh, no, but what I what I've learned from these other practices that I do in my life that are around how I show up, how I impact other people, how other people impact me and exploring those sort of things in that I came to this realization that what really being in one's own leadership means, Mm. uh, whether that's in leadership in a really broad sense of it, whether that's in a one-on-one interaction with someone, whether that's in my professional life and teaching clients, whether that's in, you know, whatever context you put it in. I realize that what leadership means for me is that I have to show up and trust that I have to trust myself enough to know that if my inner compass is pointing me towards something that's true for me, the best thing that I can offer to the world is to show up with that thing
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and do it as fully as possible. The same way that I believe Kara, that's true for you. Like Mm -hmm. my belief is that like you have to follow the thing that is the truest story in your world and bring Mm -hmm. that to other people. And that's going to be the thing that has the best impact on others because you don't, no one else has Kara's viewpoint. Same thing with you, Brian, like no one else has Brian's life experience and Brian's viewpoint. And that if I don't show up with, my experiences and my beliefs and what's true for me and engage in others according to those experiences that A, nothing is going to change, but B, it's not going to be the best thing for me. Then mm-hmm. I'm just like jamming my square peg into a round hole. Yep. Um, and so maybe again, that's a sort of like wishy-washy, feel good, the love yourself <laughs> thing. But it's, it's really been true for me and has really been motivating. And certainly I have – though I've experienced some challenges in trying to, you know, build a new client base. And particularly Mm -hmm. when I started off building the client base in this new environment here with, in a space that has a totally new approach. I definitely, I think I told you a little bit about this. I had some moments of like old narratives about like what (laughs) it means to be a trainer and how do you look and like, how do you sell to people and close people and all of that stuff. And I'm like, no, I just have to trust that if I show up with the thing that I, Believe from my own experience is really valuable that the other people who find that valuable or maybe don't even know yet that it's an option or don't know that it's valuable like I have to show up with that and trust from there and thus far I've been getting pretty positive uh getting a lot of affirmation whether it's in my professional life or personal life by navigating the world that way so
0: absolutely yeah, and I remember it was so funny because uh, the the initial consultation, it was just like a free consult kind of thing after I read your bio and I was like, I need to meet this person. Um, it was supposed to just be like a brief consultation. I think we were there for two hours. We found a whole bunch of other stuff in common. <laughs> and so I think you felt comfortable enough in the end. Just even as I was leaving the parking lot, and I just remember this because I had to laugh. Mm-hmm. You said something about like, yeah, I'm even nervous right now. Just worried that maybe my pitch <laughs> wasn't like – you know, what it's supposed to be. I didn't say any of the things to scare you or all these things, yeah. you know. And, and of course, I, I, I did say, okay. I need to run. I need to go home and talk to my husband. I need to, you know, just do a little workout with the numbers. And, and I was totally already sold 100% the line, and sinker. <laughs> but like, I, I, I could sense that trepidation. And, and, I, and I, I really appreciated that, um, mm-hmm. that you trusted that there would be people out there in the world that were dying to hear what you were saying to me that day that the, the safe environment that you created, um, your philosophy of, of how you handle, you know, your clients, um, I was like, oh, my goodness, if only anyone else in the world before this had ever, like, talked to me like this about, quote, unquote, fitness, I'm, I might have actually dipped my toe back in a lot deeper, a lot sooner. And, you know, maybe I wouldn't have got let myself get so neurotic around it. Um, but, but Brian, I, I yeah. What are you thinking? I know that whole conversation. Like JJ's. I think also no, you I, have a vision. <clears throat> you do have a vision, and I'm very excited about
2: it. <laughs> well, I I Get do, out. and I I mm-hmm. think JJ, you you have the um the trust yeah. and the skill set to you know put it out there and just bring it to the table. I guess I haven't necessarily gotten there yet, so I'm trying to. Honestly, I'm trying to find like this forum, like this. Where are these people that might actually think that this idea that I have and that I've just kind of put out there mm-hmm. is a worthy one? Because the last thing I want to do is build something out and no one come.
0: So, well, and you know what? So too, it's
2: market research, really. Yeah,
0: so. and and honestly, there might be more people out there like JJ. Like it's not, so you'd yeah. be the, you're wanting to open a business, you need people. Like JJ, yeah, I and, agree. Yeah. And so, so you don't need to necessarily have all that same training if you're running the place, um, exactly. But what yeah. I feel like what people out there might need to hear is that there's a guy in in you know in your neighborhood in your neck of the woods looking for trainers who want to do something a little different, and it'll yeah. be new. Yeah. It'll be off the ground. It might not be the only source of income for a little while, but it'll be a, a new thing where they can try. To maybe access a part of themselves, a part of what they think they might be able to do. Because I think this might be a shift that is kind of a long time coming. And there might be more people like JJ out there who might be on the East Coast that can work with you. Or, you know, this is why we're doing this podcast in the first place. Because I said, I don't know how to answer this. I don't know what can happen. But I think like it's literally a crowdsourcing of ideas of spreading the word that you're trying to do this in the first place. Are you trying to do something similar? Do you resonate with this conversation? Are you a fitness or play enthusiast who's doing something a little different? Or maybe you just really like to but haven't yet? Well, you're not alone. And if you'd like to add your voice to this conversation, or if there's someone we should have on the show who we haven't met yet, go to Playgrounding.com Firefly and send us a note. See you next week, where we talk about play and politics. Is American childhood creating an authoritarian society? Hmm. In the meantime, happy summer!